Welcome to the Voices of the Wild Earth podcast series for the Idaho Mythweaver. I'm Jane Fritz. Back in the 1990s, I got to hear some of the best storytellers in the Nez Perce tribe share their oral literature. But years before I began recording tribal elders for radio programs, I was visiting an elder in Kuski, Idaho, when her great-grandson, who was about five or six at the time, came home from school and interrupted us. He sat down at her feet, and she proceeded to tell him a story, completely in her native tongue. Listening to an elder speak, Nemiputimt, is a special gift. Even if I didn't understand a single word, he seemed to understand everything she said. They both laughed a lot and connected in a deep and meaningful way that I'll never forget. He wanted another story and another, and so I left her home in awe and wonder. Where do traditional stories come from? How do they connect to tribal lands? And what do they have to teach the youth of today? Let's listen to someone who can tell us. Hello, my name is Jeanette Liaskis, and I'm an enrolled member of the Nez Perce Tribe of Idaho, or Nimipu. Today, I'll be talking about Nez Perce legends and how they relate to the tribal landscape. As a folklorist, I have gotten to know the mythologies of many cultures around the world and have learned how traditional stories function within those cultures. Specific cultural knowledge is conveyed to the listener who will remember it, thus learning from the stories. In the case of our Nimipu mythology, the function of the stories is to teach youth how to treat one another in the right way, as well as how to survive if they are somehow caught alone in the wilderness. The landscape covered in the legends begins at the mouth of the Columbia River, and ends just south of the Seven Devils Mountain Range. This region, as described in the Coyote stories, are settings for his many adventures. These stories begin with Coyote was going upriver because he begins his journey at the ocean and travels inland. In each story, Coyote has an adventure at a landscape feature that children will recognize as places the people have traveled in their seasonal food cycle. Over the years, the youth grow to become expert navigators by recalling coyotes' adventures and seeing the places for themselves. The concept of the coyote stories, my father told me, was they started along the coast, Pacific Ocean, and coyote kept coming up river from the mouth of the Columbia and he kept coming up. The late Nez Perce elder, Mari Waters, explains how the coyote stories were interactive within the landscape. And as he passed numerous tributaries, things happened, like he'd go up one tributary and uh, maybe there would be some oyster sisters or bear sisters or somebody that would call him and, and they would talk back and forth and whatnots and they'd uh, he said, well, I'm making the way for the salmon. And depending on what happened in each tributary, whether it was the mussel shells or whether it was the 
otter or anybody else, the skunks or something else, or the bear that, you know, did something to the coyote, depended whether they were good to him or bad to him. If they were good to him, he said the salmon will come up this river and spawn. If they were bad to him, he said salmon will not come up this river. So all the way from the coast, all the way up into Idaho, he would go along and he would say uh, each story, and that's why all the stories on Coyote, he's going upstream. And each time he'd come to a, a river, something would happen to him. He would either marry uh, dear sisters or maybe uh, mother-in-law was, was bad to him. And because of this, uh, no, no salmon would go up the potlatch. So that's the essence of why Coyote was going up, coming up river, was giving all these landmarks and why uh, they salmon would go up certain tributaries. In addition to the salmon, other foods are discussed in many of the stories that children can recall where, in the landscape, Coyote had left a great patch of sunflowers or huckleberries and more importantly, where he did not. Coyote cursed some of the areas of land so no foods grew there, like from Minnesota to Dayton, Washington. A lost child would know not to go there. It was a sagebrush desert. Also, uh, the same thing happened when he'd go over land. He would say, because of this, you know, you were good to me, elk and deer will be here, and and there'll be good forests here and, and other places. He said, because you were bad to me, there will be barren land, desert places and, and rocks and numerous things. So every place that Coyote went, something happened to him, whether it was good or whether it was bad, depended on what was going to grow and what was going to uh, propagate itself. And this is the way uh, the people recognized and knew where the salmon would spawn and where they would go and where would they come from. And they'd know that just like the roots, uh, the roots would grow up around the Lewiston Valley and up around the Camas and around the Palouse. Uh, you will never find roots between uh, a Soton Creek and uh, Pomeroy in that area. Here on over to Dayton, you won't find it because Coyote was burned by a beautiful woman. Traditionally, winter was a good time to teach the youth because they were not preoccupied with anything except listening to the tales told by their grandparents sitting beside the fire. I can recall many tribal elders talking about how animated the storyteller became and how the grandparents from long ago used string or hemp twine to create images like teepees and horses as they told the stories. I saw a string story once and it was amazing how a piece of twine could come alive as a teepee and shoot through the air as a spear. I do not believe there are any more string storytellers left among the Nez Perce as it was an ancient art form. The late elders, Mari Waters and Al Slickpoo Sr., that you hear telling these stories, they took it for granted 
because they were raised knowing the Nez Perce language. The stories we have left were preserved from a time when Mari Waters and Al Slickpoo were kids. Al Slickpoo Sr. speaks about the filter which came into use after the English language became standard in the post-boarding school era. To begin with, uh, a lot of our stories were told in such a manner that if they were to be repeated in English, in the English language, they would probably be uh, X-rated. Where on the other hand, to the Native American people, particularly to the Nespers people, our stories and the words that were used in those stories were humorous to us. This is why perhaps we have never adopted or never had a very uh, vulgar language as it is in the English language. So when we told our stories in legends, they were told or from the humorous view where on the other hand, in the English language, it would probably not be very acceptable or more embarrassing to the English-speaking people. Our language is uh, as such that whenever we have a conversation among ourselves, a lot of times about every other two, three words, we're laughing. And this is what I'm saying about our language being as humorous, acceptable to our society or our people than it would otherwise have been in the English language. In some of these humorous stories, I can see how a grandmother might be reluctant to tell how Coyote's penis would keep growing the more he stared at these beautiful women until it grew all the way across the river where they were swimming, or how telling the stories of bedwetting boy might be misconstrued. Although his name sounds terrible, he brought many good lessons for listeners since his proper kinship title had to be spoken in order to escape a threatening grizzly bear. Children can interact with this story and learn kinship terms, which are numerous and complicated, but thanks to Bedwetting Boy, become fun to learn. All of these coyote stories in, are involved with during the time when animals could speak and they're preparing the world for the coming of the human beings, the Latitulwit or Natitulwit. There's two dialectical ways of saying it, one with an L and one with an N, but they're uh, both correct. Each uh, storyteller has a different version of uh, the same story, but they're just maybe a few things that are a little different, but uh, they're a lot of fun stories. When they're told in Indian, uh, they're just fine, but when you translate them into English, they become a little risque. And uh, at one time, I would uh, change things around so they weren't risque. And then I got to thinking that, why should I hide something that is natural. So I, I t told it like it is. The youth also learn how to live from the stories. Mari Water taught in the past, Coyote was considered to be a divine being with many lessons to teach. 
One such lesson is that cheating in order to get what one wants always ends in failure. No matter how hard you try to gain by cheating and deception, everything will go wrong and you will be left with nothing in the end. If a child is mean to others or disobedient to his parents or disrespectful to his elders, his friends will leave him alone in the world and he will be unwanted and become a lonely child. If a person is greedy, for more than his share, he is apt to lose everything. He should learn to share with others. Jealousy of a friend's good fortune can lead to a bad end. We should give encouragement instead of ridicule. Even the strongest beings can be defeated by weaker but more intelligent beings. One should not judge another or marry another by his looks alone. Too often we are quick to judge, not realizing that it is a person's heart. Then the strongest should learn to protect the freedom of the weak. People will help you if, you, if they believe you are sincere and have good intentions. These coyote stories also uh, indicate numerous ways of the Nespers culture and how we should behave, uh, what grandmother does, what mothers do, what, how elder brothers treat younger brothers and things like this, uh, how we care for the land and uh, what coyote does with the land. Coyote is a trickster. He's, uh, has powers, he can change things any way he wants to. And uh, there are a lot of landmark stories about coyote. I have seen the work of coyote that continues among my people. Whenever my uncle would see a coyote running across the highway or along the road, he would yell out to him, Good day, coyote, and always left tobacco. All those years of learning to love and care for the coyote has left me doing the same thing, and I have passed that down to my own kids. We always greet the coyote and leave him tobacco so that he can smoke as he takes a break from going up river. This is our modern way of interacting with coyote in the natural world as we see him crossing our path on the roadways. He is now the sign of the safe road trip. Thanks, Coyote, and thanks for listening. I'm Jeanette Weaskis. The Voices of the Wild Earth podcast series is produced by me, Jane Fritz, with production assistance and engineering by Justin Lantrip for the Idaho Mythweaver. Special thanks to scholar and Nez Perce producer Jeanette Weaskis for teaching us about the storytelling tradition of her tribe. Be sure to listen to her other podcast, Coyote Breaks the Fish Dam. Funding for this series comes from the Idaho Humanities Council and the National Endowment for the Humanities as part of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. Join us again next time at mythweaver.org.